Hi, and welcome to From a Full Cup. I'm your host, Natalie Mullen, a certified wellness educator, speaker, facilitator, and teacher. From a Full Cup is a mental wellness education podcast that helps women prioritize their wellness and put themselves first because you can't pour from an empty cup. I present unique wellness tips and strategies in ways that are relatable and practical and can be adopted for your lifestyle. Whether I'm speaking at an event, facilitating a workshop, or coaching clients, I'm passionate about helping women dream big, take action, and move the needle forward to achieve the life they want. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From a Full Cup. I am so excited. Today, we have with us Quibila, and she is a self-care and personal growth strategist and expert. And Quibila, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Natalie. So happy to join you. Yes. So please introduce yourself to the listeners in your own words, and then we will get started. Okay, sure. Um, so I'm many things, but at this moment, I am a, a self-care and personal growth strategist, as you said, who really cares deeply about helping Black women who do too much do less. Um, I've been telling a lot of folks, take your cape off, sis, take it off, right? Um, because I really want more Black women to start caring for themselves a lot more than they currently are. I'm curious to know, because I, I agree with that too. I think so many times Black women in general are portrayed as these super women and these super moms. And there's all these accolades of, oh, my mom is so strong or that woman is so strong and she does this, this, this. She has four jobs and these kids and this role and this responsibility. And I'm like, okay, but have you ever asked her, like, is this what she wants for herself? Because most of the time, yes, there are amazing, strong Black women who are doing amazing things in our community, but a lot of the times they don't want to. They don't want that burden on themselves, and they're doing it because they kind of either have no choice or they feel like that's society's expectation of them. And that can be a really heavy burden to bear. So can you talk about like your experience even just observing Black women kind of carrying this um, mantle on their shoulders? Yes. As you named, uh, so many Black women carry this burden. And in my honest opinion, it's one that has just been forced upon us, right? And what's been most fascinating to me is that now that more Black women are taking a stance against that, right? We're saying, hey, whoa, 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 like we are tired, right? people have very visceral reactions to that, right? And I'll say, um, obviously my mother, right, as a Black woman who I've witnessed carry a lot. And even to this day, I have to kind of encourage her, hey, Ma, like, slow down, right? She's involved in her church. She dog sits. She's in a new fitness community. She's doing this and she's doing that. And I'm like, when are you going to rest, right? Like, there is in my opinion, no honor in Black women being that strong to the point where we're not even resting ourselves. And then certainly um, throughout college, just different Black female professors that I had, seeing the ways that they carried a lot, right, on their shoulders. And then the Black women that are in my life right now, we all are, you know, carrying a lot on our shoulders but I am happy that more of us are saying, we're not going to do this anymore. 
or if we do it, we're going to do it on our own terms. Mm. Because I, I do think that there's just something real special about Black women and our ability to persist and persevere. But we can definitely have a, an unhealthy relationship with that sort of mantle and identity. And again, that's why um, I see myself really as helping and inviting Black women to do less and feel comfortable doing less. No, I, I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that, you know, you've kind of found yourself in a space right now where you can be proactive and engaging in self-care and thinking about ways that you can rest and ways that you can slow down. And it's so true because even as children, we observe a lot, right? Like we just watch and see and what we see is what we make true of the world. So if we as young black girls see all the black women around us working really hard, but to the point of almost running themselves ragged or to the point where they don't have time for themselves or they don't have time for joy and play and leisure, then those are the things that you grow up expecting to be true for yourself. So it's really important to kind of change that narrative. And I'm seeing it just like, as you said, I'm seeing so many black women starting to say, nope, I'm, I choose me. I'm putting myself first. Self-care is my mission. And I love that. And I love that we're both in that same space and just amplifying that message. So I want to go back and I want to start with your backstory. How did you come into this wellness and self-care space? Yeah, so I'm, you know, your classic overachiever, right? And really that all came to a head by the time I graduated from college. By the time I graduated from college, I was severely burnt out. I did not have the terminology then. Of course, I was internalizing it. I was like, I'm lazy or something is wrong with me, not knowing that I was just extremely burnt out, right? Um, not a first-gen college student, but I, my mom, she didn't attend a big state university like I did, right? Obviously, the world is in a different place now. Um, so I had to navigate quite a bit all on my own. And having to do that, right, coupled just with the pressures of being a Black woman, right, and the message that we get, especially about how hard or how much better, right, we need to be. By the end of college, I was incredibly burnt out. And so at that point, um, you know, I was starting to read a lot more, right, read a lot more texts by Black feminists. Um, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but reading and then also hearing other Black women who were a bit older than me start to talk about this concept of like Black women doing too much, Black women carrying too many burdens, um, and that really resonating with me. And that sort of opening me up to this idea that I can actually reject that, right? Like I can actually reclaim my time. And honestly, just over the years, building up that knowledge about what it could look like for me to say, I'm actually not going to go along with this programming. Um, in addition, around 2010, so this would have been my second year um, of college, I had a gallstone attack um, and I had that happen when I was in Reno, Nevada, visiting um, family and having to go through surgery and everything else. I uh, was disappointed in how the medical system responded, right? There was no real conversation about like, this is how you take care of yourself moving forward, right? You've just had this surgery. This is what you can do. There was no aftercare. 
Um, and so in, in many ways that also propelled me to into this wellness and self-care space because I was noticing that things had changed, but no one was telling me what to do, right? No one was supporting me in the ways that I needed. And so that really also opened me up to this idea of caring for myself more holistically, right? Not just focusing on, you know, nutrition or physical movement, but also like what was going on inside, right? Like how was I feeling about my own body um, navigating this world now that I had this surgery? So um, I would say those two things were really the sort of like catalyst for where I am today. And you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And sometimes like you want to say, well, it's so unfortunate that when you're having this major surgery, you you feel like you don't have the support of the medical care system because obviously you should. And so that's very upsetting. But then on the other hand, it's like, it's so good that at least you were able to find a way to take care of your own needs. And it, it caused you to kind of explore a whole new realm of saying, well, how do I take care of myself? Because I'm left empty handed. Nobody's provided me the resources, the tools for me to know how to navigate this situation. So at least it was able to kind of push you in that direction. And now you're able to use that knowledge, not just for your own self, but for others in your community to empower them and support them in their own journey of self-care and wellness as well. So thank you for sharing that. And what was one major challenge that you feel like you had to come in that experience or just in life in general? I think being a pioneer, right? Um, I went through a lot of shedding and unlearning, which meant that, you know, different parts of my life, whether it was the activities that I participated in or what I consumed, right? Like either eating or just um, information wise, it changed, right? Um, and also being that person to kind of like question things and challenge things a bit more, um, walking to the you know beat of my own drum, that was definitely challenging. I mean, there were times where people were like, well, why are you doing that, right? Or like, you, you can just do this or like, you can keep pushing yourself or like, you just gotta find, and I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm tuning into my body, right? I'm rejecting this idea that I just have to keep going even though I'm in pain, right? Or, you know, I actually wanna have this conversation in this community with these people, right? Like I think going through like, again, when all of this was happening, it was, this was all pre reels and pre TikTok. Like this was pre everything that we have today where, you know, people were still like getting really used to the fact that like we have 24 seven access to information in other people's lives, right? And so being sort of that person to say like, I'm actually gonna do something different um, and ask different questions. Um, it definitely was challenging. But, you know, I'm happy now that so many more people um, have like made it to this side for lack of a better term, um, because I, I do have more of a community now in ways that I, I just didn't have back then. It is true. Being that pioneer, being that first one to the top of the mountain, it can be lonely. Like you're looking back and you're like, oh, nope, nobody else here. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it may, it can make you second guess yourself too. be like, am I doing the right thing? But I think what you said about like, you're listening to your own body, you're tuning in, it's trusting your own intuition. 
right? And trusting that you can make the right decisions for yourself and that you know what the right decisions are for yourself and um, you trust the path. And even if you meander down the wrong path or after you try something and you're like, actually, this didn't really work for me. I don't feel like my needs were met in this way. It's also having that courage to say, I can make tweaks, I can make adjustments and I can do again because we're always learning. And I love that you said unlearning too, because that's so important. There's a lot of, harmful information or hurtful information or just mistruths, misinformation that we have in our minds. And we can't always receive new information until we get rid of some of the old information. And a lot of times the information actually is coming from people very close to us. And so that can be hard and that can cause conflict in close relationships and in conversations because they're like, I told you, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, you know what? I think this, right? And so even navigating that and be growing your own confidence to stand up for yourself, right? And to just advocate for your own needs and be like, no, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm doing. Get on board or or go about your business, <laughs> you know, because you, it's you really like, have to it's choose giving, yourself. It's giving Nene leaks. I said what I said. <laughs> what I said. And loving, and loving kindness, but I said what I say, you know? Yeah. And and that's important. Like you, you have to stand your own truth at the end of the day. So now at this point, what would you say? Because you've been in this space for a while. You've been dealing with this personally. You're you're helping other people as well. So at this point, and what would you say self care means to you? And how do you practice it on a day to day basis? Yeah. Um. At this point, I would say self care really is about reconnecting and grounding themselves right you know people like to say like we're we're floating on a planet paying bills when we could just be you know outside enjoying nature etc cetera, etc cetera. and so I'm like you know what well we actually can be outside right and you know until capitalism does what it does and we have a new system we can be outside right so for me a big part of self-care is connecting with nature right I don't think I've ever enjoyed the outdoors more than I'm enjoying it right now. And and by right now, I mean like within the last like five years or so, right? Um, so taking time to be outside, to take walks, to observe different things happening in nature. I have had different experiences that allow me to identify certain things outside. And that really brings me to the present moment, right? Even um, when I travel and I'm in different states, I know now that I'm in a different state because I don't see what I see outside when I'm at home, right? So like even those like minor observations, um, napping. I'm a huge napper. If I did not have to work, I would be a professional napper. I would just take naps all day. I also enjoy like eating foods that are both like nourishing, but also fun and bring me joy. I've, I've come a long way to be able to enjoy sort of those different spectrums of food. And I think like we, we demonize food in a lot of different ways, but for me, um, like healing that relationship with food um, is really one way that I've been able to take better care of myself. And then Again, I have, you know, a, some digestive health issues. So again, repairing that relationship has been really um, integral to taking care of myself. And lastly, I would say I'm an early riser. So I'm up at 6 a.m. Pre-pandemic, it was giving 5.30 a.m. at different times. <laughs> um, but I do that because it is quiet. It is quiet. Maybe a few birds outside talking to each other. 
but for the most part, it's quiet. Um, and I can really sit and be still and reflective. And that is really important for me because my day job requires me to use a lot of my creative energy for the purpose of the job. So to be able to have like my own time to think, to dream, to imagine about what I want for myself and my community has really become more important to me as I've aged and as I work and listen and talk with other people. And I'm like, you know what? You, you probably could benefit from more quiet time too, right? Um, so I would say those are a couple of things that I do in terms of like activity wise, but a big one that I've been working on is saying no. And it's like, in some instances, I can say no with the quick. I'm like, nope, I'm good. In other instances, I feel guilty, right? I'm like, well, but you know, I'm coming up with all of these different scenarios why I might need to say yes. Um, or it's that classic Black woman, like, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? And it's like, that has to go out the window because by the time I'm like going through that thought process, I'm already tired. I'm already exhausted. And here I am trying to rationalize why I need to continue to give more. And, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't those times where we can stretch ourselves and be there for people in our community, but I'm really trying to focus on like saying yes, only when it's not going to result in harm to myself, right? If it's going to cause harm or cause me more stress, um, I'm really working on being firm in my no. I um quick to say no as well. And, but you know what? You're never perfect and that's okay. I think like I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at saying no. But then I remember just, just a few weeks ago, I said yes to something and boy, oh boy, did it mess me up. And I'm like, why did I say yes? And it was for my sister. I was trying to help her with something, but it backfired on me. And I like, you know, it just threw off my whole life. I did not have the time to commit to to help her. And I should have said no. And if you mess up once in a while, it's okay. You just kind of give yourself grace. And next time set better boundaries or be like, listen, I can help you, but I can't help you this day. Because that's what it was. It was just the day. There was nothing wrong with mm -hmm. the action that I was helping with. It's just that Wednesday was just not a good day. <laughs> right. So right. It's just sometimes right. you have to know like, yes, I can help you, but I can help you within this capacity or within this framework, or these are the times I'm available. This is my hard cutoff, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's really important to say the no as fast as you can, because I think what happens, part of the reason why we feel guilty is because we think about it so long and we're like, oh, but who else is going to help out? Oh man, but they did this for me last time. Yeah, I remember a time, right? And you start, you're having all this whole conversation with yourself in your head. And then that's how the guilt builds up. But if from the beginning, you either say, you know what, I don't think so. Or you say, I'm going to have to get back to you. But like, you don't force yourself to give an answer right away. And sometimes I'm like, I'll get back to you, but I might not. Like, sometimes I just try to lead with a no. And if I give a change to a yes, great surprise. But if not, then at least they were, you know, somewhat prepared for it. And also thinking about ways that you can say no that don't allow people to push back, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. in a conversation, you say no, and then the person's like, but, and then <laughs> they're changing your no. And you're like, well, no, is a, no is a complete answer. And I've said it, but some people... I don't know. You say no and they hear something different. 
And so then they're like, oh, but da -da 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 -da. so sometimes I'm like, listen, I'm sending you an email or I'm sending you a text message and I'll be like, no, I can't do whatever, whatever, but I hope you have a great time or but hope you figure it out. And I just try to, you know, wish you well and just wrap it completely up. I put mm -hmm. it in the mail and send it, right? Because <laughs> let me just send that whole thought, that whole conversation away to the post office because it's not here for us to still be dilly-dallying with and still what's in the box. Maybe we can negotiate. No, no, no. The box is yeah. sealed. This is done. I really appreciate what you shared just now about like, don't give people an opportunity to try to change your mind or try to like finesse, Right. Because I think, again, that guilt, you want to say no, but you want to let the person know, like, but it's not you, like, it's, you know, and it's just like, that's not our responsibility, right? Like how other people respond to our needs. Again, I'm not talking about us being like nasty or rude and doing that, right? And communicating it, but legitimately being like, you know, I just don't have the capacity for that, you know? And someone, you know, who I feel like, you know, I feel who cares about you is going to respect that. Right. And then if they don't, then it's our responsibility to walk away, you know, or just close the conversation because you're right. There are people who will try to like finesse it. They might hear you say something and then they try to turn it to something else. And you just have to be like very explicit, very clear. And that is something that you have to practice actively though, right? If you are not practicing, if you're not practicing saying no, how, how do you really expect to be able to do it, right? In the moments that matter the most, which is why even in my friendships, right? I've been practicing a lot more saying no. And I tell myself when this happens, like, you know, my friend, like I will still communicate to them that I love them, but on this thing, I just cannot and I and I will not. Um, and you know, we'll let them deal with their their feelings and their emotions about it. And then we'll come back and you know, it'll be a new day. But we have to get more comfortable with the uncomfortableness of boundaries and saying no. Um, that's a huge part of what I try to communicate to different women who, you know, want to talk to me about different things. I'm like, no one is going to give you an award for this, right? No one is actually going to be thrilled that you are diminishing your capacity and your availability for them to get something from you. Like, sorry to say, but if you're looking for like validation or affirmation, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people are not going to give you that. So your motivation has to come from inside. Absolutely. And it's tied directly with, well, what is your your own values for your own self? And if your self-worth is such that, well, I'm going to honor my needs before other people because I know the kind of life that I want. I know that I prioritize my well-being. I know that I want a life of peace and I don't want a life of stress. If you are very clear on the things that you want, it will help you in establishing those boundaries because if someone is um, asking you to do something that you know is going to stress you out, but you've already determined, well, I want to live a peaceful life, then it helps you to be like, I'm just so sorry, I can't do that and keep it moving, right? So you've really got to be clear when you don't even know what you want, that's where the wiggle room is. And that's how people start to push you because you don't stand for anything or you don't know what you stand for. So people just push a little bit and all of a sudden you fall down and you have all their stuff on top of you. 
Um, you know, I I had a good friend who you. Oh my gosh, she used to say yes to everybody, and like, it was like it was sickening. It was really upsetting because <laughs> you know people are taking advantage of her. No, and, they they do. But but she just. Oh my gosh, she would complain to me all the time too, right? And I'm like, you're complaining behind the scenes, but I'm like, you haven't stood up for yourself. You haven't said, I don't appreciate this because I have no time for myself. You're going to sleep one, two o'clock in the morning because you're doing things for other people. Make it make sense. I was like, no, you've got to say, listen, I want to honor my own time and I want to have time for myself too. I don't want to spend all my time helping you with your things because I've got my own things mm -hmm. going on. And that is right. not selfish. That is simply speaking the facts. So let me tell you, most of the time, when people don't respect your boundaries, they are quick to set up their own boundaries, though. Okay? They are not bending Let's over backwards about it. for you. No. Like, please, no. They are not. And and I think um, that internal dialogue is something that happens a lot for me, right? Like, when I'm, I know we talked about, don't give it too much thought, but sometimes it happens, and I'm sitting here like, okay, if I say yes, or if I say no, or like, I'm over here more worried about how they're going to respond to me saying no or whatever the boundary is. But I can think of at least three different instances in which that person had a boundary with me and they moved on with their life and it was all good. You know, so it's like, if they can do it, I can do it too, right? And I will do it. Um, so yeah, it, again, it's a practice, but it's also like the fact that people, you know, they only are going to get away with as much as we allow, right? They will try all day, right? But whether or not that thing actually happens, um, we have a lot more control and power over that than sometimes I think we give ourselves credit for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And okay, I'm going to shift a little bit because uh, we, we kind of yeah. brought it up earlier, but I'm curious to know if there are any books or resources that have had a significant impact on your personal development? And if so, why? Yes, ma'am. Yes, indeed. There's a lot of books, but the two that come to mind first is the book by Bell Hooks, um, Communion, The Female Search for Love. Um, and then the Nat Ministry, Trisha Hersey, she just published her book, uh, Rest is Resistance, A Manifesto. And that being a newer book, Bell Hook's book I read several years ago. And that book really was like my, it was the affirmation I didn't know that I needed, right? Again, was going through quite a bit, was feeling burnt out, was, you know, trying to figure out the next steps for myself and how am I going to care for myself. And in that book, she just makes the case for one, for, you know, women in particular to lean into self-love, right? And how self-love really is an important source of love that underneath a patriarchal society, we're estranged from it, right? If you think about the role that the woman is supposed to occupy, you know, we're supposed to serve everybody. You know, we birth the children, we care for the children. We care for our partners, right? Like it's it's a very like selfless role, but in reality, right? We need to be loving ourselves much more. Um, and then the other, you know, things that she's arguing in the book center around community and loving with and, and 
loving black women and having you know strong relationships with other women um as as a form of true love right and i think that you know i'm an only child so i didn't grow up with you know sisters or like aunties and like all of that and that just really resonated with me because if it's one person i can count on to have my back it's a black woman right and i really think that there's so much like untapped healing that can come from having just really strong relationships with other women and for me i focus a lot of my relationship building with like black women like those are the women that are in my community and so that book really kind of like solidified that for me and made me interested in finding healing in community, right? And then with the NAP ministry and then, you know, Trisha's book, it just further underscored what I kind of already had believed, right? And was already kind of evangelizing. Like, we need to sit down. Trisha, you know, in her book, she, again, just underscores like why something like napping or resting is so important. And she does it not just to be like from a scientific perspective, right? Her book is not from a scientific perspective. It is very much from a social political perspective about how like black bodies in particular have been exploited, right? And the system is designed for that. And so us saying, you know what, I'm actually gonna rest um, is, is like an affront to those systems. Some people are like, well, how do you expect people to rest, right? Like people have jobs, people have kids, like people kind of, you know, have some negative reactions to her insistence that, you know, we rest. And she talks about how like, for some for some people, resting is going to look like getting a full eight hours of sleep. But in other ways, it looks like sitting in a chair and closing your eyes for five minutes, right? It looks like, um, just taking a break when you can when you can get a break. It looks like dreaming. It looks like imagining. Rest means so can mean so many different things. Um, and it's repetitive, right? It's not like you just do this one, you do it one time and then now everything is all good. It's something that we do every day. It's in the mundane. Um, and so, you know, for folks who are listening, if you haven't read that book, I highly encourage you to read that book because. It, she just does a great job of laying everything out and in my opinion, making it accessible and kind of refuting some of the things that, um, you know, the ideas or thoughts that may pop up in our brains, right? If you only think about it in terms of literally laying in a bed and taking a nap with mm-hmm. the lights off, rest might not be available to you, right? Yeah. But if it looks like taking a walk in a park, you know, just taking the long way home so you have more time to yourself, you might, you know, realize, oh, actually, I do have more capacity and more space for rest. Thank you for sharing. I used to read a lot of Bell Hooks material. I don't know if I've read that book, so I'm going to go find it, though, because I'm really intrigued about her talking about community and how loving the community is healing for your own self, too, because I really believe in us focusing on our individual well-being along with the collective well-being and our individual well-being can never be um, fully achieved if the collective is hurting and even within even within the community of black women 
yes, some can be very supportive, but there is a lot of pain there too. And there is a lot of well, hurt, so it's not all good. Yeah. And, and <laughs> there's a lot of healing that needs to take place collectively, right? Because there's a right. lot of people saying, oh, sis, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. And they're good all by themselves, but they're causing harm to each other, right? They are yeah. deliberately going after each other's things, each other's people, each other's families, each other. Like, so we have to think about how, how do we come together and take care of our collective needs so that we mm -hmm. can all be well together while still individually being well. You wrote an article about your realization that you needed to give yourself more grace. So mm -hmm. just briefly, can you talk about ways that you practice self-compassion and show yourself grace? Because I think this is such an important topic. For me, it has really been about internal dialogue. I actually talk to myself quite a bit and I literally like take a moment to pause and ask myself like, okay, is this mine to own or is it not, right? Do I bear the responsibility or do I not? What would happen if I asked clarifying questions or if I took a moment to pause or if I just disengaged, right? Like I literally have started to do that so that I feel as though my response or how I'm handling something is really coming from me. And I think another thing that I've been doing to, to practice more self-compassion is being okay with not everyone liking what I have to say or my ideas um, or it making sense to everyone. It needs to make the most sense to Kovila. It needs to feel the best to Kovila. And I'm still working on that. Um, but again, when I look out into the world, people are doing that every day and not necessarily from like a moral or ethical lens, right? They're just doing it because that's just what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so as someone who's like more, a little bit more self-reflective, I'm like, oh, actually I need to do this thing, right? Like, and it is okay to do this thing. And at the end of the day, people are entitled to not like me or the things that I do, but it doesn't alter the value or the legitimacy of what I have to offer, right? Um, and so I think just doing a little bit more of like self-affirmation um, has really been integral, um, but it's, it's hard, right? It's challenging. Um, we live in a society where, you know, you wanna be included, you wanna be part of things. And when you start, like when you're that eyeball, people are like, oh, I don't know what she's talking about, or I don't, I don't want to ask her opinion on that because I know it's going to be, you know, and it's just like, that's fine. That's their prerogative, but I still have ways that I can still express myself. Right. Like, so I write, um, once upon a time when, you know, I was using Instagram more regularly, I would do, um, like stories and I would talk about different things. Um, I also did reels at one point where I would kind of like use what was trending to talk about like very serious you know issues as it pertains to the the work that I do in my practice and so um just yeah getting more comfortable with self having that internal dialogue um and I do this I, I've been doing this more recently but 
seeking other people's opinions less. Mm. Because I find that when I start asking people, well, what do you think about this? Right. Or like, and like what I, and and I want to just clarify, like I'm talking about in an instance of like, if I'm creating something, right. And people are like, oh, well, I don't think you should do that. And then now you're second guessing. Now you think you're thinking like what I have isn't good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so now I do it a little bit less. Like I have some things that I really, that I really want to do and bring, bring to life. And I'm keeping them to myself at this current moment, right? I'm keeping them Mm -hmm. to myself. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to nurture them so that when they are out there in the world and people, you know, want to ask questions or if people even try to like criticize, you know, what I'm doing or say it's not good enough that I'm like, okay, it's not good enough to you, Uh, to you. And that's okay. You know? Um, So yeah, this is how I've been moving more in, in, in self-compassion and, and grace. And I think that's so important. Like, who do you give the mic to at the end of the day? And why do we feel like other people's opinions matter than our own? Because sometimes we give the mic and we ask people for feedback and we don't even consider like, like we'll immediately shut down and we'll be like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to do that because this person said no or this person said no, but it's like, no, be your own validation. Like if it came to your heart and it came to your mind, it is worth pursuing. Like, yes, sometimes people have an idea of maybe a way in which you can pursue it, but if they're going to completely come against what you're doing, you just have to kind of tape back the mic. You'd be like, never mind. And it's better to at least try and then be like, okay, it didn't work, whatever, or this wasn't right. I need to make a tweak. And then you can make those changes, but then you're still honoring your own voice and your own desires. And so, um, yeah, I think that's really good. And, you know, just before we close, one of the primary aims on this podcast is really to encourage women to prioritize their own well-being, to pour back into themselves, to honor their needs, have conversations about wellness. So everything we've been doing. So we're on point. Um, so for <laughs> myself as a wellness coach who supports women professionals and entrepreneurs, I see a lot of women who feel like they're alone in their wellness challenges. Um, it's not true. Like a lot of times they feel like maybe they've had uh a shift where they don't understand their own relationship with themselves because they're not really able to spend time with themselves and to honor their needs or even to know what their needs are. And so I'm just curious to know as an entrepreneur yourself and as someone who's multifaceted and and does many things, have you ever experienced challenges that affected your well-being? And if so, what is one strategy you can share that has helped you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that in this day of like social media, it can be difficult sometimes to feel like committing to authenticity and like staying in your lane is actually a winning strategy, (laughs) right? Like when Reels came out, for example, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Right. But then your content doesn't, Instagram won't push your content. So it's like, well, I guess I have to do this. Right. I guess I have to use this trending audio when in reality, I want to do something completely different. I want to do something that expresses myself more. Right. Um, And I think I've gotten over that. Like, um, I think a lot of people too are just like bump the algorithms, like Uh, whatever like we're not doing that but I definitely think that in the like 
wellness space, um, it can just be really difficult to stay in your own way. Um, so one of the strategies that I've leaned into more is dedicated time to like create and write, right? Dedicated time to create and write and like make sure that I'm putting all the parts of me onto paper or into something that I am sharing with the world, right? Um, I think it's, and, and it is a bit of a shift because while I think it's important to like create, you know, content for your audience, things that people want, people want us at the end of the day, right? They want us. And so I think creating more authentically and like um, just, you know, from a more organic place actually um, propels my work a lot further then when I'm like, okay, let me get this like perfectly curated or like, let me also create this thing that I see all these other wellness creators creating. Um, and it's hard to pull back sometimes because again, like you wanna you want to be in the know, but I don't know how long ago came across the concept of JOMO, right? So we have FOMO, fear of missing out. There's JOMO, joy, joy of missing out. So um, I think I also kind of wrapped that into like my strategy of like, okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to create and I'm just going to do what I need to do. I'm not going to read up on the latest trend or the latest, you know, uh, whatever it may be that's currently dominating, you know, social media right now. And I'm just going to create the thing. And nine times out of 10, I feel so much better for doing that. Um, and believe it or not, when I share this sort of perspective, there are there are a lot of people who actually, you know, feel the same way. It actually resonates with them, which is sometimes shocking to me because I'm like, I see these people and I'm like, oh, y'all are doing all this stuff. Like y'all got it figured out. And the reality is, is people are like, I don't want to be doing this either. So I kind of feel like some pride in like, letting people know that like, it's okay to, to, you know, kind of go off the rails or be your most authentic self and what you do and what you create. Because right now I just think there's so much pressure to carbon copy. I feel like you're preaching to me too, because, and it's funny because social media, I never even had Instagram. I was so far removed from social media. At the time I was living on an island. So I was just living my island life. I was like, I don't need social media. I see everybody every day, right? <laughs> it's a small place. And when I moved back home, I was like, okay, now I want to do this wellness thing. I'm like, oh, I need a page. Wait, how do I, what? <laughs> and I was like, you would think, like even my friends are like, Natalie, I can't believe you don't have Instagram. I'm trying to tag you with something and I can't tag you. And I was completely unbothered. So now yeah. I've got it and I'm like, okay, but what do I do with this thing? And I'm like, huh, got to make stuff. And I'm like, I will not be researching any trend of any sort because <laughs> I've had to kind of reconcile what is this platform for and how do I want to show up on it? Because mm -hmm. one of my most favorite quotes is to thine own self be true. And if I, on a natural, regular old day, do not come on Instagram for my own personal enjoyment, then why would I be putting so much effort into something that I personally don't even think is that good for us in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Talk about it. So I have been trying and I'm always having this conversation with myself of like, okay, fine. I can understand that people, if I'm trying to do this and if I want to reach people, I obviously need 
to have a way for them to reach me and i need to have a way to get the message out there that's the point but at the same time i think i have to do it in a way that's meaningful to me and i think i think i you know it's always sometimes you're focused on the metrics or the numbers and the followers like i've never been interested in in that kind of stuff um but then i tell myself like oh if i want to grow do i need to be right and and probably to an extent you do but for now i think about it, it's just a constant conversation it's just i don't i don't mm-hmm. have an answer here but i i'm just more so saying that i appreciate what you're sharing because I think it's something that I'm continuously thinking about too, about how do I want to show up for my own self to be, right. to feel comfortable. I always think that being authentic, asking yourself what is authentic for me and also what is sustainable for me, right? Yes. Because there's just a lot of things. Like I have so many ideas of, of ways that I'd like to show up on Instagram that I think would be extremely authentic, but they're not sustainable, Right. Like mm-hmm. even sometimes the thought I have the thought and I'm like, oh, I can't even get in, into action. Right. Because just because <laughs> yeah. it would require filming and this and that, which is just outside of my capacity right now. So yeah. I think, you you know, you have to kind of give yourself grace of say, when am I going to show up? How am I going to show up? If I don't show up, is it OK? Because at the end of the day, I think relationships are the most important thing. And if I can be impacting someone in real life that I might see at work or see in my family or see down the street, that is still meaningful, even if I didn't impact somebody on the internet and if i did then great so be it but i just think that we we know we can't just only focus on a following or we can't just only focus on those people there we got to focus on the people in real life too and um and then see how we can cast our net further and and still show up so i agree and i um just listened earlier today to a podcast um off the grid are you familiar with that Nope, but I'm writing it down. So um, Lauren Ash from Black Girl and Own, she was she was on the latest episode and she talked about her walk away from social media. I think it would resonate with you a whole lot. And I also think for the women listening to this podcast um, who are maybe struggling similarly, right, with their relationship with social media and just a general like online presence um, would you know, benefit or enjoy listening to the podcast as well. And it just, it just made me feel really affirmed because I'm like, you know, we, we exist in this wellness and self-care space to help people heal and, and, or to feel empowered to heal themselves. Right. And we just got to be honest about the, the, the ways that like social media can really stand in the way of that, right? On the one hand, it fosters community. You and I are connected because of yeah. social media, right? But at the same time, it can get to be a lot. Um, and you can start, you know, you, you start finding yourself dreading showing up online. And that's that's really what happened to me. So I'm like, you know what? There's other ways for me to show up. So I, you know, have my medium and I write um, about just different things. Sometimes they pop up the media in my head and I just crank it out. Or it's like, I kind of um, think about like, okay, what, it, what is it that I really want to say? Um, and uh, also working, like I said, on other things that I'm keeping to myself right now, but hope to be sharing Keep with it the to world yourself. soon. Yeah, hope to be sharing it with the world soon. Um, I facilitated in-person workshops, right? And like, those things matter just as much, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I keep telling myself that 
for, you know, where I want to go and, and where I see like my practice developing. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And and that's, you just got to do what works for you. And same thing, like in-person workshops, I love them. I'm like, oh, I love this. Then I'm like, Instagram, I'm like, ugh. But even that, right. like just <laughs> noticing how do you respond to those things? How does it feel in your body? Do you notice that your shoulders mm-hmm. tense? Do you notice that you get clammy? Do you notice that you sigh? All of those things you can pay attention to and then and then those are clues to you okay i prefer to show up in this way i don't prefer to show up in this way right so and then i'm not saying you have to completely cut one out but you can step back right like you can Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. step back or not do as much on, on something that doesn't make you feel as good and maybe you show up in other ways or on other platforms like for some reason linkedin i enjoy way more than i enjoy instagram right so it's just those little things but you've got to just pay attention and just observe your own reactions to things. And then you'll kind of get your own direction of, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So this has been such a good conversation. We could talk forever, but we'll just have it again. (laughs) So uh, Kabila, please tell the listeners about what you offer, about your page, about everything that you want to tell us about. (laughs) And um, this is the time to promote yourself. Yeah. Um, so right now I would say you can follow me on Instagram at the holistic agenda. Um, I'm in a bit of a transition period. Um, so I'm not like actively facilitating any workshops or working with people right now, but typically that is what I do. Um, I'm in the DC, Washington DC area, um, and, uh, have facilitated, you know, various workshops, um, that center around self-care conversations, um, I'm also a practicing like community herbalist, so also educating folks about the medicinal benefits of herbs um, and looking forward to doing more community-based events. Um, really looking forward to, to that because that is my, my genius, right? That's where I feel most lit up. Um, so stay tuned. Um, there will be more coming, but for now you can, you can find me at the holistic agenda on Instagram. And if you're interested in reading my thoughts, you can find me on medium. Um, I believe my handle is at sister Shabazz. Um, so you can find that and and I think we can get that info in the show notes probably. So people can, can find it easily, but those are two places where you can find me. Yeah, so all of that will be linked up. And I, I read one of your pieces on on Medium and I was like, oh, she's a really good writer. Oh, I was like, so hooked. So um, I love that you even have that as a kind of creative expression for yourself. And that can be another way of self-care is just to kind of honor your own thoughts and get it onto paper. Like, what am I feeling? Let me see it in front of me. And sometimes that confrontation of words, like when you're like, oh, oh, wow, look what I just wrote. And now you have to process that. And, you know, sometimes it's good to get the things that are in our head out of our head and onto paper and then we can kind of make sense of that so yeah i am going to thank you so much for coming on this show um as i said all the links will be in the show notes and uh to all the listeners continue to serve yourself your loved ones and your communities from a full cup